And um, I have the privilege of introducing our guest today. And he has a book table. He has wonderful books. I read this one already, The Covering, Secret Place of Dwellers. It's awesome. And then The Symphony of Life, Staying in Harmony with God. Isn't that beautiful? What a pretty cover, too. I love that. Uh, so these are out at the book table, $10 each. Pick up those and get your friend one, too. You can hand them out at work. Some people need these kind of things at work, right? <laughs> Just uh, slip it under the over to the desk in the cubicle beside you. <laughs> Amen. Um, and uh, we want to just honor him today as he as he comes. You know, um, I met him when I married David, and he's just such a gentleman and such a powerful Christian, amen, and a wonderful minister, all of that. That's just a beautiful package as a man, isn't it, just to have all of those uh, wonderful characteristics and also um, he has established so many churches in our state in the state of Florida over 200 churches in our state isn't that amazing so he's a church lover and a church builder and and now he's a kingdom builder he said this morning and we agree with him amen will you welcome him as he comes Reverend Earl Cushman And good morning, everybody. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Man, your worship was beautiful. I just felt the presence of the Lord. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth through all generations. Aren't you glad that you're a Christian today? I'm so happy to be here, to be with my wonderful friends, the Hortons. I don't know how long we've been knowing each other, but they're special friends. They're quality people. God has blessed this church with wonderful pastors. And I'm glad that, that they're kingdom people, just like I am. 2022 was not a good year for me, um, and I don't want to be negative, but I almost went to heaven in February with COVID. I sat up in bed in the in the hospital, and I felt my spirit leaving my body. It was a weird feeling, but a good feeling. And then, would you believe that? I was terminated from the work that I was doing. So somebody, one of my dear friends said, Cushman, do you want to be a system man or a kingdom man? And God spoke to me for the next few weeks. I'm going to be a kingdom man. I'm going to promote the kingdom. And can you believe every day I'm getting texts from all over the world suddenly. When I was in the hospital, when I was dying, I got people from Pakistan, India, Uganda, Kenya, praying for me every day, as well as my friends in America. Thank God for the church, the body of Christ. Thank God that we belong to 
Jesus Christ our Lord. I've been traveling every Sunday. Uh, doors just keep opening, and wherever a door opens, I go just to tell people about the wonderful love of Jesus. It seems like the last few weeks I just felt to get closer and closer and closer to God, to be more anointed. And in my prayer, I'm feeling strength coming back. That's the way God works. Amen? Would you stand? Would you stand and turn to Hebrews 11.6? Shannon, can you put that scripture up? And then uh, Luke 18.8 and leave that one up. The scripture says, But without faith... It's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. He's bigger than all your problems, I'm here to tell you. In your darkest hour, He'll walk in your room and be the light. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. What's the main reason that we need faith? We need faith for this journey. But most of all, as it says in Luke 18.8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That scripture has, I can't use the word tormented, but it's just been impressed on my mind every day, every hour. When the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? We each need to ask ourselves the question, what do we think our faith level is from 1 to 10? Let us pray. Father, we thank You today for this beautiful church and these awesome people and for the Hortons, God. We love them so much and we thank You, God, for putting them in my life. They have been such a blessing. Now, God, as we look into your word, I thank you for strength. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you said you never leave us or forsake us. Lord, I'm with you always, and I feel you here today. Touch us as we look into the word of God today. You may be seated. If you compile and do research on all the scriptures concerning prophecy, you will discover that we're either on the brink of a great revival or the imminent return of Jesus. The world, however, is rushing towards tribulation. Now, there are 1,817 prophecies in the Bible. 357 talk about the coming of Jesus. So we ask, what is next on God's calendar? Or what is next on the calendar of the church? Think about it. I was watching Matt Crouch a few weeks ago interviewing R.T. Kendall. If you don't know Dr. Kendall, he pastored the church that Charles Spurgeon started in London. 
He was a pastor there for many, many years. And now he's in America, and he's writing some of the most awesome books that I've ever read. So Matt Crouch said to Dr. Kendall, do you believe that the next event for the church is the rapture? And he said, Matt, no, I don't. He said, I believe the next event for the church is a move of God's Holy Spirit around the world. He said, I say this because of the prophecy of Joel. Joel said that three things would happen, and then there would be a move of God's Spirit. He said, first of all, Jerusalem would be trodden down. Didn't Jesus say not one stone would be left on top of the other? And in 70 A.D., Titus, the Roman general, and his army marched into Jerusalem. And when they left, there was not one stone left on top of the other. He said, second, there would be the Jews dispersing to over a hundred countries of the world. He said, no country really befriended them. He said, but America, and we didn't do a very good job. He said the third event would be Israel, or the Jews coming back, raising their flag of independence, and declaring to the world, we are now a state. That happened in May of 1948. So he said, afterwards, afterwards, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. I'm glad I'm having visions. Your young men shall have visions. And he said, I believe that the next event is a great move of the Holy Spirit. Now, if Dr. Kendall is right, then we'll begin to look for a suddenly, when God will move by His Spirit like He did in the day of Pentecost, except around the world. Do we need revival? Without revival, there's no survival. I need some water, please. Without revival, there's no survival. Oh, okay, I see it. When you take sinus pills... You get dry mouth. So the the first thing on on God's calendar, according to Doctor Kendall, is revival. And you know what is happening? I'm hearing revival here and there. My friend Sean Baker up in Santa Rosa Beach, three or four weeks ago on a Sunday, a suddenly happened in the church. Just a great move of God. And he said the unique thing was there was a fragrance like he'd never smelled before and it's still in the church. My friend Dusty Wilson went there the other night and when he went to the podium he said, I smell some sweet fragrance. And he cried and he got all broken up. Well, he told me a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, that over 50 had been saved. Same had been filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. People are healed. 
Demons are cast out. The other night they had so many people, they had to lock the door and said, no more can come in. And it's still going. The other night they had 13 saved in one service. That's, that's revival. He went there five years ago. And could you believe this year they will move into a 1,100-seat auditorium and it will probably be all paid for? Now, that's revival. And that's what we're looking for. I want a move of God. I was raised in revival. When I was a young lad, revival swept up through New England. And in that revival, my mom, who was dying of cancer, 70 pounds, ash look, eyes rolled in the back of her head. In a cottage prayer meeting in our home in that little village of Port Clyde, Maine, the pastor anointed her with oil. My dad held her up in a chair. And suddenly, heaven and earth kissed. And mama got caught in a smack. And as I was telling the pastors, three years ago, she went to heaven. She was over a hundred years old. That's revival. My dad was healed of diabetes. My young brother, he was just a kid had a heart problem and had to go to Boston for surgery. And the doctor said he won't live to be 13. Well, he just retired from pastoring after 60 years. Look at God. That's revival. God, give us revival. Move in America and around the world. And then the second thing will be the rapture. I haven't preached much about the coming of the Lord in a few years. And God just impressed on my heart. We gotta talk about his coming, cause he is coming again. And when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? There's a reason he wrote that. Because he knew the faith of mankind would get weakened in the end time. But I said, God, I want to have faith when you come. First Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and we'll be forever with the Lord. And I read this and I thought, is this a contradiction? Because I've always preached when you die, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And now the Scripture is saying, when Jesus comes the dead, in Christ shall rise first from the grave. When my brothers and I had my grandfather Christmas funeral, he'd come out of the Advent church, and that's they believed in soul sleep. And uh, we preached to be absent from the body. Grandpa's present with the Lord. And the Advent minister rebuked all three of us and said, You have grandfather sleeping. So when I looked at this, is this a contradiction? And then I said, The reason people err, they don't know the Scriptures. God made man a trinity. A spirit lives in a body and has a soul. When you die, your spirit and your Soul goes with Jesus. And your body's put six feet under. 
And when the trumpet sounds, your body, soul, and spirit will unite in the clouds of glory. Hallelujah. And we'll go to see the Lord in the air. Why is, why is the tribulation like at a stop? Second Thessalonians said, before the Antichrist can come, only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. Then the man of sin, the son of perdition, will be revealed. Only he who now lets. Now who is the he? People argue it's the church. People argue it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. I say it's both because the Holy Spirit is in the church. And as long as the church is alive and well on present on the earth, the Antichrist cannot be revealed. We're stopping him from revealing him his ugly self. Can you say amen? And then after the rapture, a worldwide tribulation. I have a friend, Mike Coleman in uh, Orlando. I call him an expert, a scholar on Israel. And I was talking to him about the temple being built. He said, the garments are already made for, for the priests. Utensils are already made. And said, uh, now they got the red heifer. Did you know? That when they build the temple, not one, not one worker can work there without sprinkling the ashes of the red heifer. And did you know they've looked for this red heifer for years and they believe they've found it and it's in Israel. And so soon they're going to check the heifer. And make sure there's not one white hair. It's got to be totally red. And then they will take the heifer. And from the heifer comes the ashes that will be sprinkled on the priests and the workers. And he also said, between the rapture and the tribulation, there probably be two or three years. And during that time, they will be building the temple. I never thought of that. And I said, well, what about the Temple Mount? What about the Dome of the Rock? said, it's not going to hinder. said, there will be a fence built. The temple will be built. For three and a half years, there will be peace like you have never seen before. All of the leaders of the world will come to the table together. It's utopia. It's, it's peace. And then all of a sudden... The Antichrist reveals himself, goes into the temple, and offers a swine, a pig, a hog on the temple. And the Jews' eyes will be open. We've been deceived. We've been de- It's easy to be deceived, isn't it? God help his people. So there'll come a tribulation like has never been seen before. Seven years, three and a half years of peace. Three and a half years of tribulation like we've never seen, like they have never seen before. And then after the tribulation and the seven trumpets are blown and the seals are open and, and the water turns to blood around the world and two thirds of the grass burn and, uh, 
just chaos and people rush to the rocks and caves and say, hide me, hide me, and death will flee. And after that, there will be a thousand years of peace. It's called the millennium. And we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Somebody ought to shout. And the good thing is, Satan will be chained and put in a bottomless pit for a thousand years. And I read in Jude that Satan will be chained by one angel. He makes us think he's so big. He ain't tough at all. One angel. Wrap those chains around him and boot him in the bottomless pit. Now the next event, I don't understand. He will be loose for a season. Why not keep him in hell? If it was me, buddy, you're there forever. But he will be loose for a season and deceive the nations and cause chaos. But let me tell you what. Jesus is going to set up a millennial reign that will be forever and forever and forever. Isn't that beautiful? And we're going to be a part of it. We're going to rule and reign with Him. We'll be there to love Him and worship Him. So my question is, will He find faith on the earth when He comes? Boy, that's to me that's very, very serious. In the ministry of Jesus, he observed the faith level of people. There was a little lady from Samaria. You know, the Samaritans were considered dogs by the Jews. Her daughter had a demon, and she went to Jesus wanting deliverance. I mean, she's just emotional. Weeping. And he let her know you just could not cast the bread to the dogs, the Samaritans. You know what she said? Even the dogs. Oh, this makes me shout. Glory to God. Even the dogs get a crumb from the master's table. That's all I'm asking for, just a crumb. I don't need the whole loaf. Just give me a crumb. And set my daughter free. And he said, oh, what faith you have. Then the centurion's soldier came to Jesus. His servant is dying. He's very concerned. He said, Jesus, my servant's dying. And I know that you're a man of power, authority, like I am. I speak to my soldiers and tell them, to go and they go. Jump and they jump. Said, you don't have to come to my home and lay your hands on my servant. Just speak the word. Speak the word. And he will be healed. And Jesus said, I've never seen such faith in all of Israel. Never in my life have I seen such faith. And then there was poor Peter. He sees Jesus coming, walking on the water, and he becomes a man of great faith. He gets out of the boat. He fixes his eyes on Jesus. And guess what? He walks on water. 
The Amplified said that he fixed, he's fixing your eyes on Jesus. That's southern, isn't it? Fixing? Fix your eyes on Jesus. As long as he fixed his eyes on Jesus, he walked on water. When he took his eyes off Jesus, he sank. Jesus, help me, help me, help me. He got him in the boat and he said, Peter, O thou of little faith. I wonder how many times he said that about me. Earl Cushman, O thou of little faith. But listen, Peter took his eyes off Jesus, and this will make you shout. But Jesus never took his eyes off Peter. And he's never taken his eyes off you, no matter what you've gone through. He keeps his eyes on you. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Glory to God. If we believe in the infallibility of the Word of God, we believe in the coming of Jesus. Can you say amen? Many Christians have become lukewarm. They stop looking for His return. In many churches, He's outside knocking. I heard preachers all my life say, He's on the, knocking on the heart of the sinner. No. He's knocking on the door of the church. The Laodicean church. The church of this age. He's knocking on the door. I said, He's knocking on the door. He said, if any man will open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. The Methodist church has been divided right in half because of homosexuality and uh, lesbian and all kinds of liberal stuff. And they're having church, but Christ is outside. Let's bring it right home. I've been in churches of God that are deader than... Three o'clock. I've gone to some churches and I felt like I'd never been to church. And I thought, Christ is outside knocking. You need to get revival. You need to invite him in. He wants, he wants to come in and, and fellowship with you. Why don't you open the door? God help us. God help us. God help us. The Word of God declares he's coming again. First Thessalonians 4.16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then you and I that remain will be caught up to meet it. Won't that be a... It will happen in a moment in a twinkle of an eye, but it will be a sensation. We'll be swept off our feet. Hebrews 9.28, Christ once offered to bear the sins of many. Unto them that look for him. How many is looking for him? He will appear the second time without sin under salvation. Matthew twenty four forty four. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord may come. I like John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, Jesus, there you shall be also. Let me tell you, church, it's time to press in. I don't want to miss his coming, do you? At the coming of Jesus, will he find faith on the earth? Man, that's almost tormenting me this week. 
Will he find faith on the earth? In the light of this, and I've said all of this to say this, we need to develop a faith that is so strong that when he returns, he'll look you in the eye and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. The Greek word for faith means to be totally convinced. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. All my life, since I was a little boy of seven, gave my heart to Jesus. I have believed in the virgin birth. I have believed in the crucifixion, the atrocious death that Jesus Christ suffered. But through that vicarious act gave us eternal life. I believed all my life they put him in a tomb, but on the third day he rose. He ascended to heaven, and he's coming again. And he's just waiting for the Father to say, Son, go get your bride. Here comes the bride. Hallelujah. What a day that will be. And so, we look for faith. You know what I thought? The word of faith, people. I know lots of them. They're my friends. And it's like the Holy Spirit said, "Mm, mm. I raised up the word of faith to circle the world, to keep faith alive in the believers. And I've heard Pentecostal preachers criticize, make fun. I heard one preacher say, the two biggest problems... In the church today are the Kenneths. And I wanted to leave and vomit. Great men of God preaching the word around the world. And telling people to keep your faith. Let your faith increase. Walk by faith and not by sight. That's the church. No wonder we need revival. So in the light of this, we must grow and develop our faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. If you're a doubter, chronic complainer, I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about others. And you don't have faith, you can't please Him. Don't you hate people that just walk in doubt and fear? So... Let us look at this in closing. Without faith, you can't please Him. So develop your faith. Paul said, faith cometh. Where does it come from? Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. If you want strong, robust faith for this end time, get in the Word. Get in church. Not just Sunday. Come on Wednesday and hear the Bible talk. So that your faith will grow and grow and grow. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's how you grow your faith. Jesus said in Matthew, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, hey, be removed. And it would be removed. And nothing, say nothing. Nothing shall be impossible 
to him that believes. No wonder faith is so important to Jesus. I read that one day and I said, if I have faith as a grain of mustard seed, if I had a mustard seed, pastors, you couldn't even see it in my hand. And he said, what do you do with a seed? Well, I've planted a few seeds in my life. You dig a hole, drop the seed in, cover it with the earth. The sun comes down and the rain and that little seed begins to germinate. A root system. Then it sprouts and it grows a tree 15 to 20 feet tall. And I said, God, I understand that. And I was going through a terrible time. But what about what I'm going through? He said, if you take the Word, plant it down in your spirit, read it, memorize it, hear it preached and taught, it'll germinate. And it will have a root system, and it will sprout and grow, and it will produce faith. Hallelujah. It will produce faith. My dad was a faith man. He was saved at 20. He was an alcoholic, a chain smoker, and I'm not allowed to divulge anything else that he did. I will be shot by the family. But he stumbled into a Pentecostal church in Thomaston, Maine, one Sunday night, got under conviction, went to the altar, and an hour later he rose, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and served God like the rock of Gibraltar for the next 53 years. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? When he died in my brother's parsonage in St. Pete, the three boys were there. And one of my dad's, my dad's best friend, Bill Morris. And here we are, all three products of his relationship with God. Ministers, ordained ministers in the ministry. And Bill said, boys, it's time to commit him to Jesus. And we held hands and committed our precious father to Jesus. And when we did, he stood, rose up like this, like he'd seen angelic beings. And he went to be with Jesus. Boy, that's a life of accomplishment. If you have faith... As a grain of mustard seed, tumors will disappear. Cancer will be dissolved. The dead shall raise. Miracles will happen. And I believe that signs, wonders, and miracles are in the making right now. God has spoken to me for me to get back to where I was as a kingdom man. Praying for the sick and see them healed. See people saved. A friend of mine down in uh, Margate by Fort Lauderdale said, I said, how, how do you raise so much money, Rick? He said, you get what you preach. He said, every Sunday, if I don't preach about giving and prosperity, I talk about it and take the offering. And it's like God said to me, Earl Cushman, why don't you start preaching soul winning, and see souls saved. 
And that next Sunday, 13 adults came to the altar and poured, poured, poured St. Lucy and gave their hearts to Jesus. So the first thing, you've got to develop your faith. You've got to get in the Word. Faith does come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Get in the Word. Get in Bible study. Lord have mercy. What's happened to the church? I read this week in the Christian Post that 30% of Christian people have not returned to church since COVID. Were they just looking for an excuse to leave? Or is it fear? I walk my faith and not by sight. I believe that Jesus is walking with me, preparing the way before me, and in Him I trust. Second, we have the privilege of approaching God by faith. He that cometh to God. Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and the heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lonely in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. Come unto me. It's like he's saying, I'm Rabboni. I'm the teacher of all teachers. Come on, sit at my feet. And you say, what's the curriculum? What are we going to study? He said, you've come here to learn of me. And there's no greater study in the world than to learn about Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went about doing good, gave his life for us, and he's coming again. Come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. If you're in need today, come to Jesus. If you're sick, come to Him. He's the healer. If you're in a broken relationship, come unto me. Whatever your need is, He says, come unto me. He's a miracle worker. There's nothing impossible with Him. What a God we serve. When I passed in Connecticut, one night after church, the clerk was in the front seat, and she was crying. And my friend Willie from South Africa, he preached that night. We were in the back, and I looked, and Sister Jameson's just weeping. And I, I went down, and I said, what's wrong? She said, see this on my eye? And her eye was a mess. I prayed. I've tried to trust God, but it hurts so bad, Pastor. I said, Willie, come here. We laid hands on her, anointed her with oil. We all went home at 7 o'clock the next day. She apologized for calling so early on a Monday morning. She said, Pastor, a miracle just happened. She said, I was washing my face, and as I did, she said, that growth just disappeared. That's the kind of God was. We've got to have signs and wonders. We've got to have a move of God's Spirit. We're desperate. We've got to see God intervene in America. We're, we're due for judgment. You cannot murder 60 million unborn babies and God's going to be pleased with it. You cannot change the agenda of little children and God be happy about it. Men cannot marry men and women marry women and God be happy about it. And I told a friend the other day, everything the liberals do is contrary to God. He said, be fruitful and multiply. So what do they do? They kill the babies. What do they do? Men marry men and women marry women. 
What a mess our nation is in. What a mess. What a mess. What a mess. God help us bring revival. Show yourself strong. Then we got to believe that God is who He says He is. He said, we must believe that He is. That's it. Being of the universe, uncaused, self-existing, divine in its perfection, mysterious but real, invisible but knowable, the Alpha and Omega of every world. That's pretty good. When I was in West Palm Beach in the Jamaican church of 500, you know, in a Pentecostal church, you can't have any quiet times. Because that's when the fanatics take their opportunity. But this woman wasn't a fanatic. There was a silence, and she stood way back in the last pew and said, Pastor, Pastor. I looked, who's calling? She said, I want you to know something. God is God all by himself. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He's God all by himself. And I thought, that's better than the professor. Let me tell you, God God is completely in charge. He's not out of control. Everything's going according to His plan. And we just got to have faith, a strong faith, to be ready for His coming. But not only that, the journey can be rough at times. And the only thing He's going to see us through is faith in the Almighty God. And last, He rewards faith. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Let me ask you a question. You feel weak in faith today? If you do, the Bible is a faith builder. Faith cometh by hearing. It's just that simple. It's beautiful. Faith cometh by hearing. I've been reading the book of Revelation. I don't know what that's done to my faith, except I want to have faith when he comes. Did you know praying in the Holy Ghost? Build your faith, Jude 20. Building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You didn't get one amen. Praying in the Holy Ghost. When you know not what you should pray for, Romans 8.26, the Spirit itself maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I find myself praying in tongues more than I ever have. I ride in my car, praying the Holy Ghost. I sit in my recliner, praying the Holy Ghost. I have a friend that calls me every day, and we've got to have a prayer meeting, and we end up praying in the Holy Ghost. And you know what? These two or three weeks, I just feel it's just built me up. It's the Word. Building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost every day, several times a day. It's all right just to walk around and pray in the Holy Ghost. You don't care what people think anyways, because you're building your faith. You're building your faith. You're ready for the journey. You're ready for the coming of the Lord. And last, and last, Faith keeps your rapture ready. Unto them that look for Him, Hebrews 9, 29. He will return the second time without sin unto salvation. 
Isn't that beautiful? He's coming again. Until then, we walk by faith. Hallelujah. Hey, stand. Give God praise. We walk by faith and not by sight. Listen. Faith is not an emotional feeling, but an action carried out because of what you believe. So we believe that if we have faith, we'll make it through this journey. And we'll have faith when He comes and hear Him say, well, done. Looking is faith in action. 